We're delighted that this podcast is sponsored by Drench. We love their curated catalogue of high-quality bathroom products at affordable prices, which can transform your space into something beautiful. No matter how small the details may seem, Drench won't miss them. Use the code HOMENOTES10 for 10% off your first order. Welcome to Stories from Sites, the renovation podcast that digs a little deeper. I'm Amy Donalek, and together with my co-host, Jane Middlehurst, we peek behind the curtains of those Insta-worthy interiors to bring you the real processes people went through to make their dream homes a reality. This week, we talked to Don't Move Improve winner Nick, who, together with his partner, self-built a garden studio and extension to their one-bedroom flat. We talked to him about his decision to take on a self-built project, the process they went through, and what he would do differently next time. So, hi, Nick. Welcome to Stories from Site. We're excited to have you with us this week. And I wondered if you could start by telling us a bit about your project. Yes, it was a kind of one-bedroom flat that we originally bought probably over a decade ago. And we bought it because we were looking for somewhere to live in the local area. We've got lots of friends who live here. And we came across this flat which had a garden with it. But when we went to view it, it was quite odd in a way. It had a flat above, which had a balcony and a set of steps that came down and then a huge 25 meter garden. But the garden was completely overgrown with kind of six foot high weeds. And we were asking the estate agent how much of the garden belonged to the flat below because of the steps down. And they explained to us it was only the little patio area that came out and the stairs to above to the flat above were access stairs to the garden. But we thought this was a little bit weird that no one was using this garden. So I kind of immediately went off to work after we'd viewed it, downloaded the land registry and realized that the whole garden belonged to the flat, the ground floor flat. So at which point we, we bought it. It was also a kind of slightly odd set of circumstances in that it was a repossession. So it was the bank that was selling it. And we subsequently found out there was a clause in the lease that meant it couldn't be sold at auction. So we found that we stumbled on this kind of bargain where the bank were just looking to reclaim the money that they hadn't recouped from the mortgage. Yeah. And did you know at the beginning exactly what you wanted to do with it? No, we knew that it had a kind of very poor relationship with the garden. We knew that that was the first thing that we wanted to do was to try and open up the flat. And the flat was in a very poor condition. It had huge holes in the ceiling from historical leaks and things. So that that was the first thing that we did was to put in the wide open door, which resolved the awkward levels to the garden. And then I guess the extension and studio came about because we essentially wanted to expand our family. We were doing that through the process of adoption. And in order to do that, the requirement is to have a home that has uh, two bedrooms, kind of one for yourselves and obviously one for kind of children. And as I said before, we couldn't afford to move. We couldn't really afford to pay anyone to build the bedroom extension and the studio that we built, which we knew we needed to build in order to make it a long-term family home and have space for us to live as a family. So the pressure was on a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. The pressure was definitely on and the process to get consent was probably the most stressful part of it. Not, not planning permission. That was relatively straightforward to achieve. It was more the consent from the freeholder, which took us two years to achieve. Yeah, that was quite quite a battle. Yeah, it, it also sadly the freeholder died halfway through the process as well. So that delayed everything whilst 
their kind of estates and things were being sought out. Yeah. So it was, that was quite a kind of stressful time where we kind of, uh, I guess we were getting to a point where if we couldn't gain consent for it, we were going to have to think about moving or doing something else. Yeah, because your life's pretty much on hold while you're trying to iron all this paperwork out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we ended up ultimately having to write handwritten personal letters to everyone involved, just saying, look, we're trying to do this. It was agreed, but we don't really understand what the holdups were at the time. And eventually doing that did manage to force everything through. And yeah, we were able to get the consent. Well, that sounds very stressful. And can I ask you, was the plan always to do a bit of self-build yourself on the projects? I think probably subconsciously, or I think we've always spoken about ultimately wanting to build our own home at some point. And I think I always knew that it was possible to do that. It's just finances dictated that we had to build it. I mean, we, we did tender the project and that came back at it was well over £150,000, which was just way out of our budget. And we, we knew that we could probably do it for a lot less. And, and we ultimately did. And I guess the rule of thumb of kind of a construction project being probably two thirds labour costs meant that we knew that kind of applying that to it, we could, yeah, afford it within that. Amazing. That's interesting. So you worked backwards from the full calculation and then deduced that your materials plus your labour w- would make it affordable. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And I think also doing it yourself, you know that you're probably going to put more love and care into it than someone building it. So it's almost, I guess, if you have the ability to do it, you're probably going to end up with a building that in some ways is probably more than you you could ever achieve by getting someone else to do it. What came first? Did you make the plan for what you needed to do and then think, oh, how am I going to build this? Or did you come about it the other way and think, what what possible for me to do myself and then design a project that was suitable for you to do yourself? I think it, it it's always been designed in a way that is very simple to construct. And I, I think that was that was always the aim of it. And having, I guess, worked at that point in practice for 10 years or so as an, as an architect, I was always aware of designing in a way that was economical with structure and materials and less waste and that really helped us because the nearest place you can unload materials is 100 meters down the road so we had to be really careful and mindful that the construction was lightweight that we could easily carry in things or whoever was going to do it could easily carry in things and i think that's probably one of the reasons why when we did tender it we did get really high costs for things because just the access and the logistics of getting rid of things and bringing things in. I mean, I, I probably spent days just carrying a kind of sheets of plywood and, and things. It's also kind of simple timber construction. Everything is just a straight cut. And I always say to people, if they can use a chop saw or a drill or a rail saw, there's no reason why they can't build what, yeah, what we've built. It's just, you just have to take the care and be methodical with it. Wow. It's so inspiring. Just in terms of building it yourself how did you manage that from a time point of view did you take time out of work or was this like a weekend thing like how did you manage that side so i i was able to fortunately do it alongside the practice i worked for at the time i was able to work less days a week so i was doing three days a week in the office and then four days the rest of the time building this it it probably did mean it did take longer than it should do and if i was to ever do something like this again i wouldn't want to work alongside it it's just too I, I found it too difficult you would get fully involved in something you'd get the momentum of 
of doing something. And then if you hadn't finished that, you'd find it really frustrating that you had to go and spend three days working before you could get back on it. And it's just even simple things like you're in the kind of midst of doing something, you've set up all your tools and then you've got to pack it all away. And then that just eats into your time and things. So yeah, if I was to ever do this again, I just feel you'd have to do it in one continuous stretch of time. It would just be much easier, yeah, less stressful to do that. And probably less tiring as well. Your team on site, did you, was it just you or were you bringing in other people or the help? So I guess the first thing we did was the groundworks and the foundations. And that's one of the things that we did employ someone else to do. I didn't feel particularly confident building kind of formwork for foundations and things. And one of the scariest kind of moments, I guess, projects at the start when we'd already done most of the work to the flats. And when they pulled the foundations, the concrete truck parked a hundred meters up the road and this big pipe came all the way down, all the way through the finished flat and then pouring concrete through. And I was just terrified that one of those joints would burst and the whole flat would be, that we'd already done would be ruined, but that was okay. So that, that was one of the things we did. I get electrics and plumbing were the, the only other thing really where we employed people to come in, but the rest I guess was kind of friends or people that I'd worked with or knew how to do things. And I guess I was lucky in that I had a few contacts from projects that I'd worked on. For instance, there was a glazer from one of the projects I worked on who I managed to get him for a day and we, he helped me glue all the kind of glazed panels into the building and things. So, but yeah, mostly, mostly myself, my partner and yeah, friends to build everything. And can I ask you how you manage the budget side of things? Because obviously you know that you've, you've already decided to put your kind of sweat equity into it in a very big and profound way. But how did you manage the material budgeting? Loosely, I would probably say. I don't, I, I don't think we ever had a real kind of exact handle on the budget. I think we were roughly knowing what things would cost and we knew a kind of where the limit was. And I think when we were getting close to it, the finite amount of money we could spend, we realized we had to make savings. I mean, for instance, there's a lot of painted plywood and, and things in, in the kind of studio and in the bedroom. And they almost came about by accident in the fact that we had lots of kind of spare materials left over that we knew weren't good enough to be used by themselves. But we knew that if we painted them, we could save a bit of money and not have to buy more materials. And, things. and then actually in a nice way that I guess became more sustainable because you see lots of projects where they're throwing out these types of materials. But we, yeah, I guess when we were getting towards the end and not having as much money left, we started to realize that we could reuse these materials or use them in the project. And so you just mentioned your partner there. Was it a joint effort? How did you split tasks? And, and also, were you, were you both living on site as well? Was, was this fully immersive situation? So we, we didn't live on site right at the beginning. When the kind of groundworks were done, that was just clearly going to be too difficult when kind of bag, huge bags of earth had to be carried out to dig out the foundations and things. But yeah, as soon as that was done, we did move in. We'd cordoned off the kitchen to, so that was usable. But it was pretty, yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend living on site when you're trying to do this and most of your flat is taken up with kind of storing materials. But in terms of how we divided work, I guess I'm much probably better at building things and working out how things are put together. I'm not hopeless, but I don't have the patience for finishing things. And my partner used to be an art technician, so she's well used to building stud walls and finishing them. And so, yeah, she's much better at the kind of finer kind of details and, and finishing that. So I guess as a team, that probably works. Yeah, quite well to have those two separate skills. 
Yeah. And do you, are you having team meetings in the evening? How do you both work through the jobs that need to happen? I think it probably happened fairly organically doing that. It's, it's quite difficult when you've not done anything like this before. You, you don't really have the knowledge to understand exactly how long each task is going to take you. So I don't know whether having done the program, I think it could have had the, the effect of actually being quite a negative thing in the fact that you keep realizing that everything's taking you longer and things. And <laughs> yeah. it's, it's nice not to have that kind of pressure in a way. So, yeah. Yeah. And how long did it take you? It, it too long, I would say. I think it probably took, I would imagine the majority of it probably took about a year to do. And we probably, to get it to a point where we could comfortably live in it, but then there were little bits that we would be finishing off. And I guess it, it's nice in the way that because we built it, Almost not that we're not precious with it, but it, I think it allows the freedom to alter and change it in a way. And because we built it, we know it, we exactly know how it's all gone together. We know what we yes. can change and how we can adapt it and things. And yeah, I guess now with the family, it, it will change again and we will make alterations as to how, how we live. So yeah, it's, it's, I think it's really enjoyable to have that kind of freedom and I hope. Are there any surprises of how it feels to be in the space now? It, yeah, it's, I'm in the, studio at the moment doing this and it's just an amazingly quiet it's because the garden's 25 meters long and surrounded by four roads that with all their gardens that back onto it and no one really inhabits their gardens in the way that we do around here so i feel like i sit here and i'm in this little kind of quiet urban oasis the views are framed in a way that you can't really see people's houses but you can see all the trees and things so i don't think i ever realized it would be so yeah secluded in a way and it's but then I guess if I walk out kind of 40 meters away, I'm onto a busy main road and it's a completely different world. And when you've spent a whole day working down here, it can be a bit of a shock to go back out into the, the real world. So I, yeah, I don't know if I really anticipated that that would be as contrasting as it is. I can hear the birds actually. Yeah, I was going to say that I can hear yeah. the birds singing. So, I mean, the next door garden has three sycamore trees. They must all be like at least 15 meters high. So and they kind of overshadowed the building. So it's, yeah, it's a really nice spot to be. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to ask if you would have any recommendations for people thinking about getting their hands dirty and, and trying this method. Yeah. My recommendations on that would probably be to know what you're not capable of. I think there are, there are just tasks that if you try and attempt them, you'll either do very badly or they'll take too long and they'll become increasingly frustrating. I mean, I, I think one of the darkest days in the project was actually when we had both the foundations done, I think that the timber frames for both the bedroom extension and the studio were up and we decided that we would dig the drainage channel between the two ourselves. By that point, we'd been walking in mud between the two and it was starting to get just difficult, I think, or not easy to, to walk around our site and we started to dig the drainage channel and half a day in we'd made about two feet of progress in the the ground and then just realized that was too much for us so we managed to find a landscaper who did all the brick landscaping and, and he was able to see the, the drainage channel and two of his guys did this drainage channel that must be what kind of 15 meters long it took them half a day to dig it and it's just <laughs> there, there were just some jobs that you yeah, you shouldn't attempt because it's going to be too demoralizing to do. Also, on the opposite side of that is to know your skill set or know what you know what you're capable of or know what you 
think you can learn as well. So, so one of the things that I did was I became a qualified flat roofer. So I went on a training course to do that in order to learn how to do flat roofing. And I read about it and knew it was a fairly simple process through watching YouTube videos and was able to understand that that's a skill that I could probably learn and acquire. So yeah, I think it's know, know your skill set and know what skills you'll be able to acquire or, or learning and then can employ in what you're doing. I love that. I love that you went and got yourself qualified on that. Yeah, I don't know whether I'd ever do flat roofing ever again. We did have like a couple of leaks that it took me a while to find. And whenever it rained, I'd be really stressed out as to yes. if it was going to leak again. And I, I found out, I think I found it really difficult because having done it myself, I almost took it personally that if it leaked and it's, I've only got myself to blame. But then you have to realize that if you're doing something for the first time, you're never going to get it completely perfect and you are going to have to probably correct some things that you've done. But I think that's all part of the process. Yeah. But it also just makes you appreciate all the skills that go into making a building, doesn't it? I mean, we had someone, we were talking to someone about how they learn how to tile a bathroom and they said the last tile, they realized, yes, this is the best way to cut tiles. But, you know, they'd finish the whole bathroom. So, yeah, it does make you appreciate all all the trades. Yes, absolutely. Like I was saying earlier, there are some skills that are just going to be really difficult to yeah, get absolutely spot on. I guess we've talked about your lows. Are there any highs that you remember from the whole experience where you were just like, yes, this is, this is great. We're doing really good stuff here. I think when we probably started to see the timber frames emerging from the ground and there are there are parts of the building that are made from just ordinary treated kind of structural timber but the majority of the timber is exposed douglas fir which has this amazing grain and we probably spent a lot of time sanding that and planing it and getting it look really crisp and then i guess when that was starting to be assembled and put into the building that was the moment where you could start to see it emerging and, and what it would actually look like. And then when it was the plywood that was added to that, then you got a real kind of sense of what the spaces were going to be like. And so that was probably, yeah, one of the really exciting moments of it when you can start to see it emerging out of the ground. And has it influenced your architectural work now that you've built a house? Yeah, I feel like you should get a badge of honour, like in the <laughs> yeah. I, I I always think that all architects should at, at some point build something in their career, whether it's something small or, or big, I think it, it just gives you a real appreciation of actually how difficult it is to build things. And it's, I think, I think it's quite good to understand exactly how materials go together, the process. And because I think architects can be guilty of drawing things that they want to be built and not really understanding kind of how a contractor is going to put them together and that contractors almost getting annoyed that you've drawn something that they find impossible to put together. So I think it's yeah. it's really helpful for that. I personally, in my practice, would like to probably explore self-building more and, and helping clients to do self-builds as well. So I, th I think especially with the cost of construction increasing and almost maybe becoming unaffordable for people who wanted to do quite simple additions and modifications for their homes, that might be, yeah, it might be a way that more people can afford to adapt and change their homes for how they'd like to live. I think that sounds like such a, a fruitful and exciting prospect of people yeah. getting 
those skills and are really making a difference. Yeah, and it's just it's just really nice to live in something you built with your own hands. It's just you, you know, appreciate it you know, every day that you walk through it or walk down the garden to the studio. I mean, there are also still things that annoy me a little bit, but you, yeah, I'm getting over those now. There's always that period of time where you just have to adjust and try and forget, isn't it? But I yeah. think it, it does happen eventually, doesn't it? Yeah. You stop seeing the, the, the things that went wrong. And just in terms of your partner, how, how is she enjoying the space? Yeah, she, I mean, she, she loves it. I mean, our bedroom is essentially in the garden. So it's like, a, it almost feels uh, like a little pavilion yeah. in the garden. So I, I think that's, that's probably what she would say she enjoys the most. Like you kind of wake up in the morning to all the birds singing around here you open the blind by the birds and yeah just look out upon the garden and kind of you can't really see any other houses so it feels yeah quite quite magical so i think for her that's probably the what she would say that she yeah enjoys the most amazing thank you well congratulations about the don't even proves you're the thank overall you. winner aren't you as well yeah yeah that was yeah that was a huge surprise to get that i didn't really expect it to win the overall thing when I entered it, mainly because there are just so many amazing projects that get submitted for for the awards. And I don't know. I I think if I was a bookie, I definitely would have put money on it. I I really yeah, I loved it. And all the best. I hope that the second bedroom and the start of the journey of this project. I hope that that continues to yeah to be positive for you guys going forward. Yeah, I'm sure it definitely will be. Thank you so much for your time today. And we've really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you. If you want to see pictures of Nick's award-winning project, then head over to our website at homenotes.co forward slash stories from sites. The reality is most people don't get started on their renovations for years because they can't answer this simple question. What can I afford to do with my budget? We're here to help. Download our renovation budget guide in the link below to understand your whole project costs.